Everybody. Welcome to another episode of BSing with Sean K, Bullshitting with Sean Neese. I'm your host, Sean Neese, or Sean K, uh, the K is silent. And uh, for this episode, this is episode 83, I'm going to play you a conversation I had with comedian and filmmaker Frank Zimmel. Uh, when I first met him, he was working on a horror movie. I met him on doing background uh, work. As many of you know, I, I've done a lot of like background work and uh, you know, like small acting parts on TV and film. And I met him. I think I forget what set it was on, but uh, it, more recently, like he he, he dropped uh, the horror movie he was working on, and he's working on another movie. He talks about that in the interview. And his main thing he's been doing now, he's been performing stand-up, uh, stand-up comedy a lot. And I've, I, I, I did a, uh, an episode on the improv group a couple weeks ago. He's in that improv group that I go to uh, at the Triple Crown Theater. And we've performed, we've performed a lot together on Monday nights. He's there almost every Monday night performing. And we've, we've done some funny bits together. Uh, and we talk a bit about that in the episode as well. And uh, for those who are new listeners, you know, that's what I do on my show. I just bring on people from all walks of life and kind of shoot the shit and have, you know, long form uh, interviews with people. Uh, people who live outside the box, you know, like artists, uh, musicians, comedians, actors, or people with uh, interesting perspectives that I don't think are heard enough in the media. So anyway, without further delay, here's my interview with Frank Zimmel, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, so here we are, BSing with Sean K and Frank Frankie Zimmel. What is up? Yeah, Frankie Z, Frankie Zemmel, whatever you yeah. want to call me. You can call me anything you yeah. want. The comedian and uh, improviser and... Uh, yeah, I'd consider myself a jack of all trades. I mean, yeah. you don't have to boost my ego or nothing about <laughs> it. I mean, yeah, I like to do a lot. I'm a, I'm a creative dude. I like to do musical comedy. I like to do improv. I like to do stand-up. Honestly, I like basically all forms of the arts. I don't paint as much as I should, but I'd like to think that I paint in my own way. So I'm kind of like a more abstract painter. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I love uh, to do podcasts or any f- sort of form of radio. Um, I like that um, that unhinged approach and how you add real conversation into what can be comedic or what can be dramatic. Uh, because I think that sometimes in art, that gets lost is that realness that idea of actually being in the room with the people and not interfering with them and just allowing them to just act like they're oh you're you're talking about the whole podcast yeah well yeah yeah, well i'm getting kind of meta right now but uh to make a long story short um i feel very comfortable uh with radio and podcast just because i feel like uh it's like hanging with your friends it's one of the coolest forms uh 
art forms out there because literally you're inviting people just to hang out on your couch. Yeah, and just like have a back and, and have a back and yeah. forth repertoire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, that's why I, I like uh, long form uh, interviews more. Yeah, I think the reason my podcasts have hit so hard is that reason they resonate with people. You feel like you actually know the person. Yeah. As opposed to being presented something and giving like a facade of who they yeah. are because they're playing a character. When you're listening to a podcast, you're essentially getting them and them only. Yeah. Yeah. But extensions of them as well. Yeah. You're, let's uh, let's get on to uh, what you do because I've known you through improv. Like, yeah. Well, originally doing background. Oh, it's funny work, how everything connects. It shows set, you yeah. how connective things are because yeah. we met doing background and it turns out you were in the improv as well and I didn't even tell you I didn't even tell you to come to the Triple Crown you went there yourself yeah you went there yourself I was yourself. going to the Sunday thing yeah, for a while. then uh-huh. I started going to Monday nights yeah yeah and now Monday nights are really good now aren't they yeah Monday nights are getting yeah, really good over pretty, there uh, I think the last show I was in with you there was like the shh yeah, the serial the, killer yeah the, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the serial killer that goes up to people like kills people and goes shh yeah yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I like how you remember that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't remember improv scenes. Yeah. That means you, that you yeah. have a, a lot of potential to become a very, very strong improviser because yeah. studying is key to yeah. comedy. Well, it's weird. I remember everything. Like, I remember conversations yeah, I, had you, with, I had with people like five well, years ago. You know why that works so well? Because then you know how to call it back. Yeah. Because all life and improv merge they're the same thing because you improvise in your life life is all about listening and reacting I'll say this the right way so I don't say it backwards improv is all about listening and reacting so you, you do the improv to help with uh, stand up comedy right mm-hmm. that's your main thing because when I first met you you were directing a horror film you were doing movies yes 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 yes, yes, yes. So, so you kind of gravitated away from the I did making. you know why um, I believe that art reflects society so much to the point to where your art, in a sense, can influence society. It's very impactful. People don't realize how impactful their art is. So if you're going to make a film and you want your message out there, you don't want your message to be um, diluted and you don't want your message to be not the message that you don't want out. Yeah. And you know what? With what's been going on in this country, in the world... My movie focused around people committing suicide because of a drug that was forcing them to do it and they didn't realize that they were even doing it. They thought they were getting killed when really they were killing themselves. People were really killing themselves at the time. Anthony Bourdain killed himself. Hmm. So you know what I said? Scratch this movie. America does not need... No, the universe does not need this movie. You know what the universe needs? A movie that's going to make people feel good. Now, this synchronized with me. I made this decision after I met my co-writer. My co-writer was introduced to me and said, I want to make a movie about the balance of life. And I'm a surfer, and I've been in a mental institution a few, a few times, and I want to tell my story. I have a lot to tell. I said, you want to tell a story about the balance of life, and I'm a pantheist? He goes, yeah. I said, you know what? This is the movie I want to make. This is the movie I want to make. And that day we decided to make that movie and you know what happened I just recently last week sold the script for $15,000 so somebody else is making it we're going Hollywood we're going Hollywood with it oh nice yeah we we actually have investors and we have a pitch deck I guess there's a limited 
amount you can say about that, though, right? Like, Thank you. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I can say a little bit about it. What I can say about it is that it's revolutionary. It changes the dichotomy of film. You know how in film, bad guys get their comeuppance? Yeah. In our films, bad guys don't get their comeuppance. In our films, bad guys turn themselves around. They go inside and go introspective. So it's like opposite Breaking Bad. We make everybody... We, we make but they that, break good. They break good. We yeah. make every, I like how you said that. Yeah. Break good. Bump yeah. it, man. That was really good. That was yeah. really good. They break good. Breaking yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. So, so what happens is in, in our movies... Everybody wins. Everybody gets to get made to look like a million bucks. It's called the singularity of film. Instead of the us versus them, it's the singularity of film. Every movie we do is like that. It's just a different, different versions, different little tastes, different little flavors that you like that stimulates you. It's not the same movie every time, but it's got the same overall message of being good to each other, of like not demonizing each other, of being united. So it's like a common uh, theme you're getting out there. Because you know what's going on in cinema right now? Why there's like a f- bad movies coming out that people are just straight up hating on? It's because right now, our audience is progressive. They're constantly progressing. They are smarter than the people that are making the films. They know what they want to see. They want to see equality in film. But there's some filmmakers that are scared to push that envelope and are still making the same formulaic, vapid, diatribe movies of making people look bad. And people don't want that anymore. What are you talking about? Like stereotypes? Yeah, stereotypes. Uh, Your Darth Vader's, your Kylo Ren's. Why do people not like Kylo Ren? Because he's a stereotype. He wants to be good, but he's still that stereotype. What if Kylo Ren... What if... Instead, in Star Wars, there being a blatant bad guy, what if it was just kind of gray where there was a problem that arose and they just didn't know how to solve it and they were just trying to solve it together and those problems create conflicts within themselves, but they're natural conflicts, not forced ones. So you mean like no totally bad guy? Yeah. One that's like like Watchmen. Why do you think everyone loves Watchmen so much? Because they're good and bad. They're good and bad. You know what it is? Alan Watson, Joseph Campbell, they say... You're the hero and the villain in your own movie. Well, even even uh, Game of Thrones a bit, though. Like, none of the characters... Most of the characters are not totally good or totally yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the with I- some exceptions, like the Night King... Does Do you know why anything. that is? Yeah. Because we have our own internal struggle in us, and when we slay our own personal demon, we become good. We win. We become successful. That's how people become successful. That's how Tony Robbins, that's why he's successful. He had a demon in him whenever it was. I don't know when it was. Could have been when he was a kid. But he got rid of it. He killed his ego. That's what ego death is. That's what the movie Us is. The movie Us is a horror allegory of ego death. And you know what Jordan Peele did? He killed everyone's ego that watched the movie without them even realizing it. I actually didn't see Us. I saw uh, Get Out. That was was a movie I saw. I'm sorry. I ruined Us for you. I I nah I, I'll, I'll still watch it. Watch it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's the it's the second best horror movie. It's the best horror movie of all time. It's not the second best. No, it is the best yeah. horror movie of all time. Yeah, I thought Get Out was really good. It's though. better than Get Out. Better and Get Out is great. Get Out is great. Yeah. Jordan Peele's a genius. He is brilliant. I would love to work with him one day if I ever had the chance. This guy is money, and you want to know why? Because he took a culture that had been abused in cinema for so long, African-Americans. African-Americans 
if you go back to horror, if you really look back at the history of horror, they were the ones that scared people. They never got scared. Yeah. They were the they were demonized. Yeah. But I he, guess the only one I can think of is like Night of the Living Dead, the main like hero. Why do you think? Yeah. Why do you think that's the granddaddy of all horror? That was the first horror film to go progressive. George Romero pushed the envelope and he broke the wall down with that movie, didn't he? Yeah. How good was Romero? He was really he, good. He yeah. was a legend. Just trying to get a little bit, I guess, back to you and yeah. what you do uh, with the comedy. Like, so is this? Are these the kind of? What do you talk about in your comedy? Is this? Is I this do spiritual of- comedy. You want to hear one of my jokes? Yeah. All right. So. Uh, I'm gonna uh, play Jesus talking to the ocean. Hey, ocean. How you doing? Oh, you're feeling pretty low, Ocean. What's wrong? Looking like you got a pretty low tide. Oh, you're feeling pretty polluted. It's all right. I got you, buddy. End of bit. It's funny how you just synchronized and hit the mouse when I said end of bit. You didn't even know I was going to do that. Yeah. That was a sync. Bump it. That's a synchronicity. Yeah. Now, I can go into my belief system of me being a pantheist. My pantheists believe in the laws of attraction manifestations and the idea that we're one with the universe that we're all connected to each other so basically ask me whatever you want about it okay so your comedy bit like like how how does it how do you relate like this stuff to I guess the general audience maybe he's not familiar with like your beliefs and everything like do you go into do you start with something simple and then go into the deeper stuff? I start with something simple and then I go to something real deep. You want something that I did just recently? Sure. Okay, so this is uh something I've been doing just recently. Uh it's been doing pretty well, but I'm not going to uh showboat here. See uh see what you think. So like I've never really done like stand-up comedy before. Like uh, you know, this is my first time doing any comedy. Uh, should I do the open mic? Should I do it? Yeah. Cool. So, like, maybe I'll riff a little bit, do a little bit of crowd work. No, I don't really have any, like, written material. I've been uh, uh, working on this one bit at work about working. I'm working on it. Mm, I'm really nervous. I don't know how you guys deal with this. Mm, feel the energy in the room. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Mmm. I'm an open mic stand-up mm-hmm. I'm an open mic stand-up mm-hmm. I'm an open mic stand-up mm-hmm. Yeah, I put my name in the bucket Cause I said fuck yeah But I'm going up last The bucket can kiss my ass Bad delivery Oh yeah, holding the mic wrong Oh yeah, not showing up Oh no, when you get called up What the fuck, bro I did a bringer show And got invited back, yo As long as I bring One, two, three, four, five Hey, can you come to my bringer show? Can you come to my bringer show? Can you bring your friends and your family? I'll bring my friends and your family Because if you don't, my career will be over it's all right. Mm-hmm, I'm an open mic stand up. Come on. Mm-hmm, I'm an open mic stand up. 
I'm an open mic stand up. Mm-hmm. Wrong tagline. Oh yeah. Too drunk on stage. Oh yeah. Getting racist. Oh no. You're stammering. Let's go. Give it up for your comics. Give it up for your comics. I'm an open mic stand up. Got a bring your show at Gotham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sing along with me, come on. Mm-hmm. I'm an open mic stand up. Mm-hmm. I'm an open mic stand up. Mm-hmm. Come on. I'm an open mm-hmm. mic stand up. I'm an open mic stand up. There's lots of open mic stand-ups We're all open mic stand-ups Enjoy your open mic stand-ups Give a round of applause for yourselves Give a round of applause for your host, Sean Nisi He's great, thank you So... What, what, what's uh, what's it been like performing that in comedy clubs? Like, what's been? They the have been loving it. Let me tell you, when I first wrote it, I had a negative ending where I storm out and say I'm bombing, and they laughed at it and they thought it was really funny. But then I changed it to positive, and it's so much better like that when you do it live because then it gives the vibe to the next person, and they kill after I go up. If you end it negatively, yeah. they go up and they bu- they don't bomb, but they don't do as well as they could have. Yeah. So I just pass it right to him. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, is that uh, is that what you find in the comedy community? Like people are supportive. They want the next person to do well. I do. Is it more competitive? I feel like the comedy community has been t- too competitive to the point where there's not a... There wasn't a lot of camaraderie in comedy to where like even people that respect you are so worried about their own spot because they don't respect themselves that they can't respect you either. So even if they do respect you, there's like an underlying tone of disrespect. Yeah. Even if they love you because they're scared of them they're scared of their own success. People are scared of people were scared of their own success because you're scared of striking out. You're scared of stepping up to the plate, striking out and getting booed at a Yankee stadium. More times or not, when a guy debuts in sports, he gets a home run, a a grand slam, or a touchdown, or whatever he needs to get. You know why? That's when the magic occurs, because the universe wants that guy to succeed. So as long as that guy keeps his positive vibes going and listens to what the universe is giving him, and walks through the door that Jim Carrey speaks of at his commencement speech at that college, you'll hit it. You'll hit it. It happened to me. I've seen magic happen. Can I ask you? Yeah. Since we're getting on this topic and I'm feeling that vibe, what's your want? They say in improv, you always got to have a want as your character. It's a life note. What's your want? In life? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I want to stay in, like, this realm of, like, media and, like, creating. And um, I don't know. I want to keep doing the podcast. I want to keep doing... I want to do more, like, voice acting and voiceover. Yeah. So, I don't know, Just I just want to keep creating and doing things. You just want to stay a creator. Yeah. Because that's what we're all, we all are. We're, yeah. we're all creators. Yeah. Well, you, you do a mix of things, too, right? You do the comedy, mm-hmm. and you're still interested in film. Yeah. And you said you're a musician. Yeah. Too. So, have you been doing music recently, or have you just been... I write and play my own music. You want to yeah. hear a little bit of a song? Well, maybe talk about it. Talk about oh, it. I'll talk about it. Okay. I have a song. <clears throat> uh... 
know what's funny? All my songs I feel like are kind of out. No, I have a song called Am I. Okay. Am I is one of my favorites. I'll give you a little bit of a taste, all right? I know that you're out there somewhere Can't get you out of my mind And I don't wanna wait till you come in my life I know that you're out there somewhere Right in front of my eyes But still my life goes on and on until I die Am I unwanted? Am I? No, I'm not. I am you. So how how did you... So like what inspired that song? Um, I wrote it when I was 20 years old and I kept updating it. Uh, Originally it was called Am I a Loser for Being Lonely? And then someone was like, you know, you should get the really the lonely part. Like, why do you have that in there? Don't make yourself look depressed. It's a good song. If you didn't tell us the name of the song, we wouldn't even have made fun of you. I was like, you know what? Duly noted. So I took that part out and I called it Am I. The reason why I love Am I is because I have my third eye open. So to me, it's your third eye. That's what it means. Am I. It means A-M. Wake up your eye. Hmm. It's a wake up song. Nice. The song starts off So was that one of the first songs you wrote Or how long have you been I wrote that song when I was 20 It was not the first song I wrote Not even close Mm. So what got you into writing music Like what got Weird Al Weird Al Do you know that I used to uh, I used to write song parodies When I was younger And do you know Have you ever heard of North Coast The rap improv group I haven't they are really good. Check yeah, them out. We did that hip hop. Uh, yeah, exactly. Improv. Well, there's a there's a sync right there. Yeah. There's a really good hip hop uh, improv group. If you're ever out in NYC at the People's Improv Theater on a Saturday night, nine o'clock, check out North Coast. They are really good. Basically, they do hip hop improv, and it is so far beyond its years that they actually have like groups that like kind of like not rip them off, but groups that do it now. Other groups do it because they want it. They want to be on that vibe. So uh, it's a good thing. Um, there's a member of North Coast named Boris Kayan. We went to middle school together, and we used to compete with each other over who wrote the best song parody. But we didn't hate on each other. We were friends. And we also used to compete with each other over who knew more about The Simpsons. And we used to ask each other trivia every day. So, I'll give you an example. I wrote a parody. It's funny how Michael Jackson's relevant right now. I wrote a parody of Thriller called Miller Lite, and he thought it was bad. He didn't like it. Um, My first ever parody that I wrote was a parody of Gangster's Paradise called Hooker's Paradise, and it came out a full year before Weird Al's version came out. Of Amish Paradise. Of Amish Paradise, and I like his version better because it's PG. It, it made, it was, it's way funnier. Mine was crass. Hmm. Well, so you, you think PG is more funnier? Yeah, you know why? Because you have to be more creative than just like... You have to be more creative and you reach out to everybody. PG yeah. is full accessibility. You know why PG is full accessibility? It means parental guidance. It doesn't mean you get the kid out of the room. It's that the parent does their job. Yeah. PG is, in my opinion, the most accessible rating in film. So it's not, like, too offensive, but parents need to explain some things. Yes. Like, it's mature, but it's not It's mature, offensive. but it's not offensive. The parents just have to mentor the kids. Yeah. That's what they should be doing, Right. Mm. Let me not be. It brings parents and children together. Thank you. You said it in a better way. I said it in a little bit of a judgy vibe. It brings parents and children together. Exactly. My 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 movie, my first movie, it's PG. We were gonna make it uh, PG thirteen because Forrest Gump is PG thirteen. Our movie is Forrest Gump meets Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. 
Okay. And it explains how your thoughts are powerful and that uh, you manifest things with your thoughts and how everyone's connected and how synchronicities occur. And it uses my co-writer's life to almost act as a vessel to tell you the story. And then the third act is fiction. Of No, it's not fiction, but the third act brings everybody together and is like this giant concert to raise money for a show that, you know, got canceled back in the day. And I mean, character is, you know, he, he's invested in it. It, it was his life's work, you know, so he's bringing back his life's work. Hmm. And he brings every, and he unites everybody together. And everybody, you know, they, they learn to manifest whatever they want in their lives for the better. So, like, law of attraction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, all right, so, so that movie, that's not you producing it, though, right now, right? You're no, producing? I am. Oh, you are. So you, because you said you sold the you sold the script. Well, basically, I am running the. I am the vice, not vice president, but I am the uh, officer. I'm the first. I'm, there's two officers in our production company. I'm officer number one. Not not number one. I'm a pair. One of a pair of uh, head of creative officers. I'm basically head of creative. I'm going to have a team of writers underneath me writing for me to produce the content. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, is there any, do you have any idea, like, when that's going to come out? Like, any? Well, the year, I mean, this movie is set to uh, release, or look, we're looking to release the movie December 2020. Is there any, around Christmas time. Yeah. Is there anywhere people can keep updated, or? Um, we don't have a page yet. We don't have a page yet, but we probably will. I, I believe we're going to go into launching a website. I remember this, as a matter of fact, because I'm the one who set up this date. Uh, we are going to be launching a website. Look out for a website in uh, February... Hold on. October 2020. That's when the website's... Pro, uh, pro, that's when the website will... It'll be around October 2020. That's when the website will launch. We're going to do like three months of marketing for the film. So, so you re so you start you've been doing the filmmaking and the comedy for yeah. a while, right? You said you t started the music when you were very. You young, know, I so. made a movie when I was nine years old. Oh yeah, it's called Monster Mania. I took well, I I grew up in a video store. My folks owned a video store when I was younger, and our video store went out of business, and they still had all the tapes in the house. And I became big in horror movies because I got this horror movie book called Creature Features. It had every sci-fi, fantasy, horror movie that was ever made up until two thousand. At the time, it was a 1995 edition. Huge book. I broke the spine of it because I read it so much. And inside was a synopsis of every movie that ever existed that was had some supernatural element in it. As long as it had something supernatural in it, it was in the book. Oh, God, you devil. It's a comedy, so it's a supernatural element. Uh, um, Meatballs 2. Comedy, so a supernatural element because of the aliens in the book. So it covered a lot of film. So I became obsessive with this book and said, I want to see every movie in this book. And then I shrunk down the goal to seeing one movie on each page so I could make it reasonable. <laughs> so what I did was is that I loved trailers. The trailers were my favorite part because they were <laughs> short and easy to get through and they give you the whole entire movie. <laughs> and they were so creative, especially the ones from back in the day. They were like, thrilling! captivating terrifying and they like throw the words up on the screen so you like yeah. you can say them too if you want <laughs> it's like karaoke <laughs> basically old trailers were like karaoke <laughs> so um 
so what I did was, is, you remember double-decker VCRs? Uh, I remember VCRs. I so the double-decker VCR was one deck on one side and one deck on the other side. So you could use two decks. And what you could do is you hit play on the one deck and record on the other, and it shifts what was on the other tape onto the next tape and allows you to edit because you can stop and pause and put in another tape hit unpause and it records it unpause records it it's splicing film you're using what's already on one tape and you're splicing it and guess what you're not even using film to do it you are there's film on a blank tape like cutting out parts of a film it's like cutting out parts of a film and you don't even have to use the scissors you're literally doing it in like a uh, it's almost like you're like I want to I want to say like it's a supernatural thing, but it's not. It's not supernatural. It's 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 almost like um, it's almost like you're doing it digitally, even though it doesn't seem digital, because you're literally not tra- you're not making a chemical change. You are in a sense. You are imprinting. You're imprinting celluloid. You are, but in a sense, you're not cutting up the celluloid. You don't. You're you're making it easier on yourself. You don't have to cut up. You don't have to take apart the tape. Keep the, you keep the tape in part. You're just going internally. You know. Anyway, we're going too off too much on this. The point being is that I made a three-hour trailer tape called Monster Mania. That honestly, it's so long that half the time I can't even get through it. But it just doesn't stop. It keeps going, going, going. It's just trailer after trailer. It starts off with like an hour of '40s to '60s trailers, and then it really shoots off with Star Trek into everything that I had in the everything I had, and I still own the tape to this day. And at first, when I brought it back to my girlfriend's, I had it in storage. My dad was like, oh, you'll never find it. I found it within 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, I brought it to my girlfriend's, and our TV, the tracking was off. And when I went to go play it, it wouldn't play right. So I was like, oh, no, how am I going to watch this? I finally got a TV, like, last year with a tracking, a good tracking. And I got the remote, and I watched it. It was awesome. So when I had to create a mood reel recently for my movie, turns out a mood reel is what I did. A mood reel is when you take other people's clips and you splice them together to make a trailer for your own movie. And I was asked to do that recently, and I did it, and it came out really, really good. So and you I, did it like an old-style film? Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I honestly feel like that it trained me to do it. I trained myself to do it. And not only did I do it, I was very creative about it. I didn't stick to the one clip just once. I actually used, went back and revisited clips. Hmm. It's something some people I don't even think would have thought to do, to be quite honest. <laughs> I was yeah. doing it like halfway through, and I'm like, dude, I feel like I've done this before. Like, this is coming naturally. By the end of it, it brought me to tears. It was that good. There's a scene in there that's that good, that that is that re- reflective of our script, that I was like, wow. They could is- show people the whole feel of the movie without giving away yeah. too much. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So it sounds like the, the film and uh, music goes way back to, like, your childhood. Yeah. Uh, is the comedy more recent, or is that have you? When have you? When did you get started with? Stand-up? You know how comedy came around? Self defense mechanism against bullying. Okay. I started doing comedy as a kid when it wasn't called comedy. It was just no. It was called comedy, but nobody was telling me I was a comedian. I was just going up to bullies and breaking down their walls by making them laugh. So like, they wouldn't mess with you because they thought you were funny. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. You know what I used I've, to? I've heard of that. I've heard of that before. You know what I used to do when people used to make fun of my height? What? I tell them I can't see them and look straight up above them. 
they would laugh every just like you did. They would laugh every single time. The wall would come right down. They never bothered me after that. They never even gave me an evil look after that. It was almost as if they were just like, you know what, this guy's cool. I ain't fucking with this guy. This so guy's sort too of cool. like a peaceful defense. Yeah, it's like a peaceful he, defense, yeah. like Gandhi, like yeah. a peaceful protest. Yeah, not even protest. I don't believe in protest. I actually think protests create negative vibes. I think the best way to protest is not contribute the energy. That's the best version of a protest is not contributing the energy. Maybe I guess it depends what kind of uh, system you're rebelling against. Yeah, I mean, so like, yeah, like I mean, I mean, if maybe if you're like in a third world country and like the, the government's really corrupt well you know yeah. what it is then, that, then you have to bring a positive energy that's fine yeah. Mother Teresa she didn't like bringing negative vibes so she thought that the best way to protest something was not actually protest was actually just change it yourself mm. which is too heady of a concept uh, basically what I'm saying is is that like when everybody shows up to protest you're like da 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 yeah. It works to an extent. Yeah. Well, it depends, I guess. I mean, like, civil rights... Yeah. It's all right to stand up for what you believe in. I'm not going to go, yeah, go yeah. up against that. And I'm not going to say that protests are wrong. They're not. Sometimes there are things worth standing up and shouting. Yeah. Shouting. Because, you know what? When we unite, that's the greatest thing. So that's what I mean to say. It's got to be a united protest. It can't be a divided one. You're coming together for a common cause. Coming together yeah. for a common cause. If it's a united protest, the protest works. If yeah. it's a divided protest, it doesn't work. Because the message, it gets too many cooks in the kitchen. You ever hear too many chefs? Too yeah. many cooks. Remember Adult Swim, too many cooks? Maybe that's the point. Too many cooks in the kitchen dilutes the message. Maybe it should be just one chef. Hmm. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. What I mean is that uh, let everybody contribute an ingredient and feel like they're all taking part in it. Yeah. And not, you know, and not like uh, throw food at each other. Yeah. But but uh, but getting back to the humor thing you mentioned. So when did you start um, deciding to perform? Like saying, "Hey, this is something I can do." Like originally, you said it was a it was something that helped you yeah. have an easier time at yeah. school. Um, so how did you trans? How did you eventually decide to start like performing with it? Um, okay, so I started doing karaoke at a very young age. My folks brought me to a place called Godfather's Pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're from. I, I heard a Godfather. Yeah, yeah. So we used to do it every week, and it's funny. My substitute teacher used to come in, Miss Kachinskis. She used to sit there and watch me, even though we didn't tell her to come. She would naturally would go there. So I started doing, um, like, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but then I started doing Wild Thing, and when I started doing Wild Thing, people started going nuts. And I did Taking Care of Business, Wild Thing, and Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. And I remember one time I did Wild Thing and I took my shirt off and threw it into the crowd. And you would have thought it was a rock concert. They took they, they threw me the shirt back. Not out of disrespect. They were like, yeah, yeah, have your shirt back. And I used to hang out with like 25-year-old people that were like getting drunk in the back. And they were like, this kid's awesome. My folks, I wasn't even hanging out with my folks no more. I made friends at Godfather's Pizza. And you know what happened? <laughs> Which is the real kind of weird part. The place got shut down for underage drinking. <laughs> it was like I influenced the place. They, oh, wow. they saw me hanging out with the adults and they were like, wait a second, I should be hanging out with the adults. With another one, <laughs> then some bad apples sifted in and ruined it. Uh, <laughs> but like, I'm like, no, no lie though. Uh... I almost won. I got third place one time in a karaoke contest, 
and I did Wild Thing and killed it. This guy went up and did Stairway to Heaven. My grandfather didn't boo him, but he was like, that guy cheated. And I said, why? He said, because that guy did a song that doesn't have vocals in it. <laughs> he did a 13-minute song that only has five minutes of vocals, and you did it in three minutes. You're better. <laughs> and then there was this place called the Chowder Pot where I did Wild Thing there and had the whole place dancing. The first place was $1,000. You know what they did? They wouldn't give me the money because I was a kid. And they gave me a Newport Pleasure neon green and orange logo hat visor to wear. They gave a seven-year-old kid a cigarette visor. Oh, uh. Society, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what was I going to do with yeah. that? You're, I'm going to promote cigarettes yeah. at a young age? Yeah. How screwed up was that? Yeah. Like, you know what, kid? You're one, of the, you're one of the coolest kids I've ever seen. I want you to promote getting cancer. Yeah. Go out and promote <laughs> cancer, little kid. <laughs> people are funny, man. People yeah. are funny. I'm not going to hate on them, though. Yeah. Those They were probably drunk when they did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so wait, were you, but you've been, how long have you been like doing like actual stand-up? Oh, so, okay. I decided that I wanted to get back into acting because I actually took acting classes when I was younger. I went to a uh, acting school in Brick Township. I don't remember the name of the school because my folks don't remember the name of it. And I tried looking this place up. It's almost like it didn't exist. Bam Bam Bigelow went there. Daniel Harris from uh, the niece in uh, Michael Myers 4 and 5. Uh, she w- went there. She's like one of the famous grads of there. So I went there and I was lazy. I did not like remembering my lines. I hated it. And they used to force me to learn my lines. Because of this, when it came time for them to get me an agent, they didn't get me the agent. They were like, ah, we're lazy. I don't know. We don't want to do the paperwork. And I didn't get on them about it. So I never became a child actor, which I'm actually thankful for. Because child actors have a very hard time transitioning to being adults. Yeah, and then they're always fucked up. And they're always fucked up. Like Macaulay. And Macaulay's actually doing good now. I don't know if you've seen him recently, but he was on... uh, Angry Video Game Nerd? Yeah, he's he, on makes, he makes fun of himself. He makes fun of himself. Yo, he's yeah. funny, dude. Yeah, yeah. Coley yeah, is yeah. funny. I, I love Macaulay Coley. Yeah, yeah. But what were you saying about, like, uh, your acting? Yeah. yeah, so... Um, I... I and nothing, nothing ever happened, and I'm glad that that happened because of the transition, but anyway, I got into music instead. I... My grandmother bought me a guitar because of the musical parodies. It was the musical parodies that led to me becoming a real musician. Because my grandmother said, if you're going to do musical parodies, you're going to need to learn how to play the songs you're making fun of. She wasn't wrong. She bought me a guitar. Sat and collected dust for a year. I had a buddy, Danny Klein. What's up, Danny? Uh, who said, dude, you got to play your guitar. So I started getting guitar lessons. My grandmother paid for like a year's worth of guitar lessons. So I learned, and I started learning by ear. And I started, didn't start, I co-founded a band called Carnapple, a metal band, and brought my South Edison friends after I mo- uh, after my family moved. So it's uh, like a heavy metal Weird Al kind of? Yeah. No, not Weird Al. We weren't funny. Oh, we weren't funny. No, it was we just, just like... See, oh, okay. Yeah. Because I, I didn't abandon the comedy. I just put it on the back burner to start a real band. Yeah. So... Because what happened was is that when I got into music, I got really into music, and I kind of forgot about comedic music. I got so into everything. I got into Misfits, You're Wearing a Dancing Shirt. I got into yeah. uh, Green Day and all of that. I was bringing in thrash metal albums into, like, middle school. Yeah, but so, so, so you went to the metal, and then you broke out of the metal band? Yeah, what happened was is that uh, we won a battle of the bands, and we won, like, 200 bucks at uh, 
don't know if you know Chris Aurelio. He's a consultant over at the People's Improv Theater. Go check them out. Uh, People's Improv Theater. They're great. And uh, he's a very smart guy. Very funny guy. Uh, he works over at... Uh, he's a teacher over at uh, Seton Hall now, which we are right by Synchronicity. Uh, so, um, basically, his sister was there for our Battle of the Bands, and he... His friends were all there. And he didn't know me until I started going to the pit. But I'll get to that later. So, we won the Battle of the Bands. Two weeks later, they kick out our drummer and our lead singer, who were the two guys that passed away in my life mm. within the year and a half of each other. Jay, Jason Sika, and Paul Alleman. They were both amazing. My drummer, he could drum on your head and entertain you. On your own head and entertain you. He was that good. Jay could adapt to any type of screaming and make it sound like a million bucks. He was a master vocalist. This guy went to go see a Lamb of God show. Randy jumps off the stage, breaks his collarbone. Jay steps up, sings the entire, does the vocals for every song after the first song and almost got signed by an agent right then and there and they wrote about him in Rolling Stone. Hmm. Oh, so he he he's, he filled in for Randy. He filled in Lama for God. Randy and Lamb of God, mm. and he had bands offering him deals yeah. left and right, and he turned them down. He got scared. And Jay, I hope you're listening out there, man. I wish you would have just said yes, dude. If you had said yes, dude, you would have been such a superstar. I mean, I know you're like probably looking down now and like helping me and all, but I know I'm in the moment. Me being with that being said, I know that if you would have said yes at that moment. You would have lit up. Hmm. Anyway. So, I guess, and then, because you, you so the stand, actual, like, stand-up itself is just a few years ago you've been doing, like... Just I've been doing years. stand-up for three years. Okay. I had a bad... Exp- I don't even want to bring it up. Um, basically, I decided consciously to start doing stand-up because I hadn't done it for years. And I wanted to do it. I wanted to give it a try because I basically got burned out on improv. I saw too many improv groups do too many bad sets and I wanted to do something on my own because I felt like I wasn't the ball wasn't being thrown to me and everybody knew that I was good at playing the game and I said, "Well, if everybody knows I'm good, why isn't anyone throwing me the ball?" All oh, because they're scared to throw the ball because they don't recognize what game they're playing. They're playing a different game than me. So I said, "You know what? I'm going to play a different game." I'm going to go do stand-up. And the minute I started to go do stand-up, man, it was liberating. It was like a weight lifted off of my shoulders, dude. There is nothing more liberating than doing improv for like 10 years and not getting recognized and then going to do stand-up in less than like five minutes and someone calls you a natural. It is so liberating. like It's unbelievable because then you just – it gives you the confidence to realize – that it, you had the power in you the whole time. You didn't need everybody else. You just needed to believe in yourself. And then that's contagious because a stand-up room, if the mic is going good, everybody just keeps laughing and it's great and it's infectious. It is, it's, it's addictive. Comedy yeah. is an addictive thing because good vibes are addictive. And that's what comedy... Comedy goes hand-in-hand hand with any art form, be it film, television, music... To me, you know what comedy is? Comedy is surprise. Comedy is... Comedy is pushing the envelope. Comedy is challenging you to 
better yourself and at the same time making you realize why you needed to be bettered in the first place. That's what good comedy is. Hmm. Is it makes you think. Yeah. The best comedians are the wise ones, like George Carlin, he's my favorite stand up of all time. Are the wise ones that wasn't there a quote from like Oscar Wilde, like if you're gonna tell people the truth, you might as well make them laugh. Or yeah. else they'll kill you. Or else they'll kill you, yeah. You know why? You gotta tickle people's hearts and not bam them over the head. When you tickle people's hearts, well, that's like what you said you did with that bully. I mean, it's a little different because you weren't speaking, like, a truth yeah. to him, but you broke his pattern. Yeah, I broke his pattern, yeah. Because he was like, Who, who's this little guy? And then you just, you make him laugh. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, what do I do? Yeah, yeah. because that's it. You break the pattern. Do you ever see American History X? Yes, I have. That, I, no, that kind of made me think of that scene where and I know, he's racist and he yeah. hates the black guy, yeah. but then the, the, then the black guy right. makes him laugh. Laugh in jail. Yeah. Right in and jail, he, he changes, makes him laugh. And that changes him. You're right. That changes yeah. him. That's a huge scene. Thank you yeah. for reminding me. You know, a, a friend of mine who's actually turned around his life and has a child now, he watched American History X and became a Nazi because of it. And I stuck around by him, did not become a Nazi, yeah. but actually... Yeah, wait, you're Jewish too, right? You're, yeah. I mean, yeah, my um, mother is. But, you know, believe it or not, I waited I waited for him to, be, to turn his life around, and he did, and he's a good guy. So it's kind of proof that uh, patience really is a virtue, because people can turn their lives around. Hmm. Somebody can turn from going racist, and then have a kid, and just be a decent human being. He's not racist at all. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that he doesn't talk to people that much anymore because he's trying to preserve his family. He's very family-oriented now, and he, he doesn't want to let anything in to corrupt that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's a, and he doesn't want people to remember like who he was and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't want people to remember who yeah. he was. He wants people to know who he is now. So that's kind of what you want to do with comedy is like break people. Break people's pattern, get yes. them to think yes. different ways they wouldn't otherwise. Uh-huh. Right? Unconventional, unconventional spiritual comedy that gets people on a subconscious level, not even on a conscious level, on a subconscious level. Like aha, yeah, yeah. Like That's a why light I like goes a lot off. of Zen uh, proverbs. Are kind it's of funny like, you just told yeah. me that because somebody recently they were down on themselves about their comedy, and I told them that the universe roots for you, and it's your your own inter- internal struggle that you have to get through. And you'll be successful. He's like, oh, that's some Zen. All right, Mr. Zen. Yeah. He didn't even know that my name was Frankie Z. Yeah. So kind of Alan Watts a lot of times says like how meditation, like being like having a like moments of like enlightenment or whatever is like hearing a joke. Yeah, exactly. It's more of like an aha. Aha. It's like you can't explain it. Because it's surprise. Comedy yeah. surprise. That's why. Because yeah. an aha moment, an epiphany is a surprise. It's like a, a happy surprise. You didn't know it was going to happen. And you're like, <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens to me when I get an epiphany. I go, <gasps> yeah. if you could see my face, it's my eyes bulging out of my head. <laughs> but like upwardly, like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, like, what, what is your goal of where you want to go like moving forward? Um, my goal is that my production company is going to become a powerhouse production company that you've never seen nothing like this before. It's going to bring in a new wave of film and other filmmakers are going to be like, I want in on this. Yeah. So it sounds like so the film thing is your main goal, and everything else just kind of like side. And no, everything stuff. else just connects within. Everything yeah. else connects within. I'm not bailing on anything. I love all my forms of art: my mm. music, my comedy, my writing, everything, all of it. Yeah, and like, I can, and I can handle all of it. Yeah, but like career wise, I guess what, what you're saying is you want the production. Listen, what, yeah, I always wanted to teach, and I never got a chance to because of the whole way the house team system works, or did work. 
in comedy. I bypassed it. I said, you know what? You don't need to be on a house team to be successful. Look at Broad City. They couldn't get on a house team. You're talking about house teams in... Just for, if you're not familiar with Broad City, they're a great show on Comedy Central that's on their final season. Abby Jacobson, Alana Glazer, who I took classes with at UCB. Uh, it's a, uh, a female duo show uh, about the perspective of women in today's society, and it's very comedic. It's a very, very great show. They uh, couldn't get on a what is a house team. A house team is a team at a theater that is drafted together by the theater itself and you have to audition to get on it and you don't get paid you have to pay dues and it's very much a very political thing well a lot of times people can't get on house teams and it breaks their spirits well they didn't break their spirits they started making videos on their own and then with people i know very funny and boris was in one of their videos the from North Boris? Coast. No, Boris from North Coast was in one of their videos. My friend oh, okay. that I used to compete with was in one of their videos, right? So you know what happened? They invited Amy Poehler to be in one of their videos, and she said yes. That after the video, Amy Poehler liked them so much that she said, I want to produce you guys. You guys want a television show? They said, yeah, we do. Now, look, it's five years later. Abby Jacobson is working with Matt Groening. And Alana Glazer is like everybody's like heartthrob. And they can't be taken down. They're superstars now. Hmm. Why? They didn't need to be on a house team. They did their own thing. And they put their voice out there. So, uh, I guess, any final thoughts or things you want to add? Hmm, that's a, that's a, that was a good question. My, my final thing I'll say is this. Um... For anybody listening out there, I'm going to say to the universe, because I'm a pantheist and I like to speak to the universe. Universe, how you doing? It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, I love you and I know you love me. And let's keep the love on a real train, on this train moving. And I know that there's people out there. For those of you listening that feel like uh, that your voice hasn't been heard and that you've been beating yourself up for a long time and that you're not sure what your purpose is in life and you're not sure why you're here, who put you here, why do you do anything that you do, is it worth it at all, you know, if you feel those, those voices in your head that are telling you not to go for your dreams, I'm literal proof. I am a five-foot guy with a weird-sounding voice, you're listening to it right now, who was told for most of his life that he was stupid, that he was weird-looking, that he would never achieve anything, and that he should probably just, ooh, I was told by a leading person in comedy, work at a McDonald's. But I didn't do that. I got out of that scenario and I started creating my own luck. And now I'm on to something huge. I broke through. And I'm about to make a lot not I'm and this isn't an egotistical, this isn't a greedy thing. I'm about to make a lot of money to be able to support my family and pull them out of the depths that they were in. They were poor, they were broke. Now I'm gonna be able to feed my family and help feed my family for generations to come. So for those of you listening, do what you want to do. Be your best you. The universe loves you and supports you, and you won't strike out. You will hit a grand slam, and I want to see that grand slam. 
and I'll be in the audience cheering for you. Thanks. And don't listen to what anyone says about what you can't, can or can't do. No, you want to listen to people. Yeah. Just the right people. Yeah. And 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 you want to you want to listen and you react and you want to. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. This is what I want to end on. Thank you. All the religions in life, they're kind of like your family members. They all let me let me start over. All the religions in life, they all have something in common. They all want to be peaceful and they all want to love each other. Where everybody gets confused is the dogmas and the semantics. Now imagine that all the religions besides Satanism, which I don't agree with because it spits in the face of everything, all the religions they you're they're your family, right? Your sister, your brother, your father, your mother, your aunt, your uncle, your grandfather, and your grandmother. They're all on a conference call with you because it's three days away from Thanksgiving. Now, you're the one making the call out to them, and you're trying to get them to come over to your place for Thanksgiving. But they don't want to come because they're fighting with each other over the phone because no one's listening to each other. They're all yelling over each other, and no one's letting their voice be heard. What I'm essentially doing is muting some of them at certain times, allowing other ones to speak at the right time, and controlling when who gets what said until everybody hears each other. So that way, we all get to Thanksgiving and we have the beautiful feast that we want. Because when I break down people's walls, I'm essentially muting the voice that's not allowing other people to speak. So the whole idea of my goal is to get everybody at Thanksgiving and have the best Thanksgiving dinner you've ever had. Right, yeah, that's a good one note to uh, end on. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Be thanks for time. having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, it was a pleasure. Anywhere you want to, like, uh, anywhere people can follow you or whatever. Yeah, you can follow me on uh, Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, Frankie Z uh, underscore eighty five. You can uh, see me every Monday night at the Triple Crown. We do amazing improv there. Uh, uh, I'm there sometimes too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you can see Sean there as well. Great, wait, wait, a great way to fit it in right yeah. there. <laughs> and you can also catch me on the Banana Show. Uh, we have uh, we provide content uh, uh, daily. Uh, so uh, look out for uh, any videos and that. And thanks for following me. All right, good chat, man. Good chat. Yeah. All righty, well, that about does it for today's episode of BSing with Sean K. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and the little comedic bits he went into as well. And that about does it for today's episode. I'll catch you on the next one. BSing with